0: Robert Gribble and the National UFO Reporting Center by Charles Lear When the subject of UFO databases comes up, the National UFO Reporting Center is usually mentioned along with the name of its seemingly tireless director, Peter Davenport. What many may not know is who it was that got it started. Washington State MUFON director Maureen Morgan wrote an article titled The Early Years of New Fork, Bob Gribble and Wendy Connor which was published in the November 2021 Washington MUFON Newsletter. According to Morgan, Bob Gribble, a Seattle firefighter, became fascinated by UFOs in 1954 when he read an article in True Magazine. This could have been the article in the May 1954 issue titled What Our Air Force Found Out About UFOs, written by Edward J. Ruppelt, the first director of Project Blue Book. According to Morgan, Gribble ordered the 1954 book Flying Saucers on the Attack by Harold Wilkins, which was advertised in the magazine, and then picked up Donald Keogh's 1954 book, Flying Saucers Are Real. He became a believer in the extraterrestrial hypothesis and set about starting a saucer group, which he named the Space Observers League. He put out a report on interplanetary spacecraft called Flying Saucer Review, which is the same name as the British publication started that same year by former Royal Air Force pilot Derek Dempster. Gribble's publications contain articles, some reprinted with permission from magazines such as Fate, opinion pieces, and UFO-related news. There were also sightings reports, and Volume 1, No. 9, has a report from a young Ray Stanford, official investigator and reporter for SOL, of the first sighting he ever had on July 10, 1954. Stanford reported a flat circular disk flying over his home in Corpus Christi, Texas, at an estimated 150 miles per hour. He wrote that it was traveling west, stopped and hovered for a few minutes, and then continued. According to him, there were 11 witnesses. By December of 1955, Gribble changed the name of the organization to Civilian Saucer Intelligence. Some readers may be aware that there was an active group at that time, founded in 1954, called Civilian Saucer Intelligence New York. That would become renowned for their scientific approach to flying saucer research. In 1957, Gribble changed the name to the Aerial Phenomena Research Group, which is quite similar to the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, a group founded in 1952 by Jim and Coral Lorenzen. He put out the APRG Reporter until 1969. At the same time he was busy with APRG, he formed another group that he named the National Investigations Commission on Aerial Phenomena, and put out the NICAP Reporter in 1962 and 1963. The fact that Gribble's group had the same acronym as that of Donald Kehoe's significantly more famous group, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, did not escape Kehoe's attention. In the very first issue of the NICAP Reporter, Gribble goes on the defensive regarding an article headlined Erroneous Use of NICAP Name in the August-September issue of the UFO Investigator, put out by Kehoe's group. It is reported in The Investigator that Gribble issued a press release erroneously announcing himself as the director of the NICAP Washington subcommittee. In The Reporter, Gribble calls Kehoe a prevaricator, criticizes the accuracy of his reporting, questions the accuracy of Kehoe's books and magazine articles, and offers $1,000 to anyone who can produce an article where he, directly or indirectly, identified himself in the way described in The Investigator. By 1969, Gribble seems to have burned himself out. According to Morgan in her article, Gribble had been a full-time member of the Seattle Fire Department and had a wife and five children during his time as a sorcerer. In 1969, he got out of saucerology slash ufology and dumped all of his related archives into a landfill. His retirement wouldn't last long. In 1969, the U.S. Air Force terminated Project Blue Book. In 1973, there was a flap in the United States, and Gribble saw a need for a place where people could report their encounters. In 1974, he set up what he called the National UFO Reporting Center and called sheriff's offices and let them know they could give out his phone number to witnesses. Word spread, and soon his number was at the ready at police stations, military bases, and airports. According to Morgan, The FAA told pilots to call Newfork if they wanted to report a UFO encounter. Gribble got others to work with him, and all of the reports over the phone were recorded on tape. If Gribble and his associates thought a case warranted it, they would do an on-site investigation. Gribble and his operation are described in a 1986 Associated Press article. According to the article, Newfork was run out of Gribble's cramped but tidy office in his home. He spent $1,200 per year to keep it running, and received an average of six calls per day. Even though he'd never seen a UFO himself, he told the reporter there's not the slightest doubt that they're there. According to Morgan, Gribble retired from active research in 1994 and turned Newfork over to Peter Davenport. By 2004, he was drowning in tapes and archived materials. He was ready to pay another visit to the dump, but he got the idea instead to donate his materials to Albuquerque, New Mexico-based UFO historian Wendy Connors. Connors was the perfect person to take care of and preserve Gribble's materials, particularly his tapes. According to Morgan, Connors spent several years in the Air Force working in communications, was interested in UFOs, and specialized in the preservation of early historic recordings and photographs dealing with the UFO phenomena, from 1947 to 1973. Connors collected UFO-related audio clips and compiled them into a collection she called Faded Discs. The collection can be accessed at archive.org. Connors took the best of the New Fork recordings and compiled them into a 44-hour collection of 252 tracks. These can also be accessed at archive.org or in a more easily negotiated format with tracks of interest labeled at the Northern Ontario UFO Research Society website, dot com, Standout tracks include eight tracks having to do with the Travis Walton case, including Travis Walton's brother calling to report on the encounter by Travis and his co-workers while Travis was still missing. New Fork continues today with Peter Davenport at the helm, and with the rise of the Internet came easy access to all for a comprehensive, no-nonsense database. Fortunately for historians and researchers, Gribble took a moment to pause before impulsively heading for the dump and took a moment to come up with an original and lasting name for his organization. Charles Lear is the author of The Flying Saucer Investigators, available at Amazon.com.